My name is Hans Wilhelm, and I am an, a writer and illustrator of uh, many books. Uh, and something like 10 years ago, I started to put into short YouTube videos the my understanding of the spiritual path, of our spiritual dimension, which is based on teachings that I have followed for, let's say, now, nearly 60 years um, of various different paths. And they all come together. And now, in the last 40 years, I've been very much influenced by the teachings of uh, from the divine world, which are coming through various spirit beings in, and in Germany, through a woman in, called Gabriele. And these teachings have helped me to understand my personal spiritual side so much better, because uh, what I liked in these teachings is was that there is, it is in today's language, and it is very clear, and there is no organization. You don't have to join anything. You don't have to be any member. If you like the material, great. If it doesn't work for you, that's great as well. So when I put all these things together in my own mind, and I, I'm an illustrator as well, so I do a visualization of these spiritual laws. I show how all the dots connect and how it works for us. And when you see uh, these videos, you, it is much easier to understand how, for instance, the law of reincarnation or the law of karma, the law of forgiveness works than just having it explained verbally. So the visualization of these laws has made my channel very popular. And I do this without any desire to missionize or to convince anybody. I merely offer my understanding. And I said before, if it works for someone else, great. If it doesn't work for someone else, also great. That's for sure. Nutshell. For sure. Great. So um, I assume then by profession, you are primarily an, an illustrator. So how how did all this interest and this understandings of, of spiritual reality come into play in your life in, in, initially? Well, like with many young persons like yourself, when you are sort of a teenager and so on, you just suddenly question the, the, the official teachings from the religions and you suddenly, doesn't. to me, they made no sense or very little sense. There was no answer, clear answer, where we come from, why we are here and where we are going. The established religion, the Lutheran or the Catholic religions, uh, don't have a clear answer on that anymore since they took out the teaching of reincarnation. So I just knew there had to be more. At that time, when I grew up, there was no internet, so I had to really struggle very hard to find material. And I got, was very lucky to find certain books, or certain teachings, uh, starting with Edgar Casey teachings from America and so on, which suddenly made it very clear to me that there is so much more to our life than just what we had experienced here on Earth. And that um, study continued, and uh, in that, um, and I met many, many wonderful people in that period. Many teachers uh, took many classes, and here we are today. And I wasn't going to to um, to share this because I think it's a very personal thing. My spiritual path is a personal path. But I passed it on uh, because my father, when he died, he didn't believe in life after death. And when he was in his last few days, I was with him. And I said, look, Dad, I know you don't believe in life after death. But if you're interested, I will let you know the 10 things, or for instance, which might happen so that you're not totally surprised if life does not end with death. So I gave him a rough ideas of what usually happens for people when they die. And um, he just smiled. And then a few days later, he died. I forgot totally about it. After five years alone, I went to a book signing of a medium and who I've never met before. And he came right up to me when he saw me and says, look, your father just entered the room and he asked me to come to you and thank you for all you have told him about the spiritual things. It helped him so much on the other side. 
he would never have believed what I told him would be true. But knowing this really um, took all the confusions away. And he said, and he said, I'm working now at the receiving end of uh, when souls arrive at the end of the spiritual world. And I see the total confusion so many souls have. They don't know, even know that they are dead. Would I please write books about this and tell more people about it? So I decided against books because uh, I wanted to reach young people particularly, and young people are not too hard into books. So I said, well, how can I reach them? So I decided YouTube. So I made very short YouTube videos that are less than 10 minutes long, where I explain all these basic uh, laws of the universe. And I think there are over 130 videos on that one. And that's how it started. And uh, so I suddenly began to share this uh, in with, with uh, a lot of people around the world. So it was my father from the other side who told me, do it. <laughs> Otherwise, Absolutely. we wouldn't be talking today. <laughs> sure, sure. And it certainly done you personally very well and i'm sure everybody that follows you very well in in their their own journeys as well i yeah, i totally agree i was brought up in a um in a christian school uh, initially mainly because that was the closest school and it was easiest to get to and we were taught you know we'd have bible reading sessions every day and praying or praying praying every day and it's just something just didn't ring true about it and i was always very scientific in my mindset all the way through my childhood and even up to today so I was always under the impression that once you die, that's it. Everything that we are is is our brain. There's no reason to believe any any mediumship or reincarnation or past life memories or anything is is much more than um, delusions of, of of a of a wishful thinking mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is still very much the the mindset of the majority of influences of science and and our understanding of reality. So have have you? I imagine you you would have done, but what was your impression when you were faced with those kind of oppositions and and beliefs that what we are is the brain, everything else is just impossible or a case of wishful thinking? Oh, I fully respect that. As I said, I was very hesitant even to change uh, to to share this information to my father who was dying. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm happy I did. No, I have no need to convince anybody otherwise. Um, that would be just sort of start arguments and. Truth doesn't argue. You just either believe it or not. You understand it or not. Uh, my knowing, I cannot share with you. What I know deep in my heart comes only from experience, not through verbal exchange. What what you deep down in yourself know, you cannot share with another person. It is something which is very sure about it. Uh, you can maybe talk about it, but this knowing does not come across. The knowing comes only when we try things out, when we um, uh, how should I say? When we follow the the in the spiritual path, when we try out the the task the spiritual world gives us, and says try to be good, try to be helpful, and see how it works on you, it is the feedback which which we get when we do these exercises that make us sure. Hey, this is true. It's not just an intellectual understanding. The intellectual understanding constantly changes, comes from our ego, depends who is influence on us. But we have to try out these uh, laws, uh, the understanding, and when we see how these laws work, and I have expla- uh, experienced it many, many times, for me there is no doubt. And when you have no doubt in what you believe, you have absolutely zero need to argue about it with anybody. You respect their view, and you let it be. I'm not saying that I'm better than, or know it better than you. I'm just, I don't share your belief, and that is fine. Unless you ask me, I have no need 
to share uh, what I believe because I be may, my belief may also change one day. So I don't want to misguide you. Life will show you exactly what you have to learn when your time comes in your own ways. But if, if somebody comes and asks me, or like you, you invited me to be on your show, I'm happy to share that. So otherwise, I will not uh, I, I, uh, I accept anybody else's different view because that is where the person is at that time. You cannot, uh, as, as Christ said, you cannot throw pearls in front of swines. <laughs> you don't want to give information for which another person isn't quite ready. It takes a lot of time <clears throat> uh, and a lot of experience, a lot of trying out of the spiritual laws because before they become true, true from an understanding to a deeper knowing, from a belief to a knowing. There's a switch which comes only to practice. <clears throat> Just me. Yeah, and and I can sympathise with that because I suppose I guess time for me isn't quite aligned yet. But I've been you know researching this kind of thing for many years, fifteen years. I mean, I'm twenty eight, and maybe yeah, I started when I was twelve, so fifteen, sixteen years. And um, I suppose because of my scientific kind of mindset, I tried to approach things from that point of view, from a, an intellectual point of view. And I always find myself in doubt whenever I see new research or a new study that suggests that, for example, out-of-body experiences have been linked to a certain part in the brain. Then that starts to make me think, well, has everything I've done been wrong and I've just been fooled? You know, And I think, as you say, a lot of this comes with time and, and practice, but it's difficult to find when you're in that kind of set, it's hard to to find how to actually go about experiencing these things because you will always doubt yourself that these experiences are even worth following, I suppose. So I suppose, how did you, what, what, what were your first experiences that led you into this, this realm of, of, of learning, I suppose? Well, <clears throat> one of the most powerful little experiences when I was also, when you started, I think it was 18 or 17 or something like this. And I was starting my path. And I got in, and I was a very, uh, I would say, tr not troubled, but I, I didn't like to be a teenager. It was a difficult time. I can fully sympathize. It was so confusing. It is, it's, a, it's a messy time. It's a terrible, you know, dreadful time, I think, for most males and girls probably as well. So I just didn't like my life and uh, et cetera. But so I came into contact with transcendental meditation um, at that time through the Beatles. A uh, long time before you were even born. <laughs> but uh, it was a time when suddenly a totally new experience came, something I found out, trying it out, that within 20 minutes, I can calm my mind. Wow, I've never had that before. Just a very simple exercise. And suddenly I was a different person just by doing this exercise. And I just sort of, it changed me so much that within a, less than a year, I think, I got so much self-confidence that I left Germany and went to Africa to live. And I didn't know anybody there, but I had full of, I was full of confidence. Just, just this one exercise. And this exercise is a spiritual exercise. It's really calming. It's meditation. Now, I am not doing transcendental meditation anymore, but at that time, it helped me tremendously. And uh, that confirmed that, wow, there is more to life. Uh, we can calm our mind. And when you calm our mind, you see the world differently as well. And then came the understanding that suddenly with Edgar Casey, I suddenly I always had the question, why are there rich people? Why are there poor people? Why are there sick people? Why I get born, born with this deficiency and etc. 
I couldn't believe in a loving God because it just obviously didn't seem that way. And when you look around in the world, everybody has a different and a very difficult kind of burden to carry. And suddenly I understood through here, everything made sense through reincarnation and the law of karma, which is the major, uh, half the world population believes in it, and which was also part of Christ's teachings originally, but was taken out by the Catholic Church. So suddenly everything made sense to me. Uh, I could grasp why somebody was in a difficult situation, why they uh, had uh, an illness or whether somebody was very wealthy and somebody was very poor. So whole life suddenly became more uh, more clearer for me to grasp and to accept. So slowly, through the understanding and through the experience, I got more and more involved in this material. And the more I got involved in the more I found what I call my, the truth, which works for me. Yeah, I, I, I like the analogy that Stephen Fry makes regarding the loving God in the fact that, you know, if there was a loving God, as described in, in modern religion, why are, are children born with, with cancers that debilitate them for a short amount of time before, they're, before they die, you know, in severe pain? And there's so many things you can look at, you know, why, why would God allow innocent people to die during the 9-11 attacks? Even nowadays, you know, with disease and, and famine, why would a God allow it? And that was, for me, what always made me think that this, at least there's something wrong with the way that religious texts and religious beliefs fuel or, or sorry, not fuel, but portray God to be. And as you say, you know, after looking further into it, you find things like the lost gospel of Thomas, where that was originally taken out, including reincarnation and, and phenomena such as that. Um, and it, it does really make you question. But then, unfortunately, for a lot of people, they then come out of religion and go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And there seems to be a, a, a binary of either you're 100% religious or 100% scientific, and there's no in between, or not even scientific, but 100% materialistic, and there's no in between, which of course it's it's a gradient, as as I'm sure you know. Um, so, I suppose a good question would be for those that are maybe in a similar position to me, where they're look, looking at things intellectually or even are just curious about this kind of thing. Where would you recommend that they start to try and begin to actually experience these truths for themselves? Where to start? Well, I would always refer to books which I have into it, which uh, which are not written by me, which are written, which are coming from the spiritual world. It's on my website. You can find links to that. There are all the recommended books on, on my website. It's lifeexplained.com. And there's a book recommendation page where you can start with any of the books which you feel drawn to. But I think starting with with, with just clearly thinking about, so wh why is your answer? What is then your answer if you, you mentioned Fry? What is your answer then to why people are dying uh, as three-year-old children of cancer or somebody in 9-11? Uh, what would be your answer to that one, Mirdu? You have studied these things now. How would you explain that? I just wanted to know from where you stand on, on these uh, these questions. Uh, my thought is that there there is some kind of natural law of, and some sort of, sort of intelligence behind why these things happen that are probably the morals of which are beyond our scope as a human being to understand and that i do think that there is a spiritual nature governing 
what happens for a re for the purpose of growth and, and education and, and evolution of, of the spirit and the human being as a physical being also. Um, I, I still have the question as to whether all this is a case of just natural random occurrence without any intellectual or intelligence behind it, which depresses me to no end because then to me, everything's pointless and there's no point of life itself. Um, and to me, that would just be a big cruel joke as far as I'm concerned. So I do think that there is an intelligence and a purpose behind it all, but I still find myself doubting that because I suppose I'm, I'm approaching it from an intellectual point of view. So there you've got the two souls in you. One is the spiritual side and there was the intellectual side there. You're struggling with these two. And that's okay. That's good because we, I think we should question. I made a video on my channel. It's called The Amazing Earth School. And it is my understanding, and I share this here, that, that the earth is only a school for us. It's only a school for human beings. The reason is because it's very short. It's only less than 30,000 hours, uh, days. It's very short, 800,000 hours, which doesn't count. We are eternal beings. And we are coming here to planet earth for a very, very short time. And the reason is uh, to learn, to grow, to undo our karma. So by undoing our karma, we can, we are maybe experiencing some pain and suffering because this is the pain and suffering which we may have inflicted on others in previous lifetimes. That's why it comes back to us. Everything what we send out comes back to us in one way or the other, in this lifetime or in, in future lifetimes. And basically what we are here experiencing today is an unwinding of our past. All the problems, situations, and difficulties I experienced today in this my lifetimes, I have caused previously, either in this lifetime or in previous lifetimes. And they are just nothing else than challenging and lessons for me to learn. And the only lesson to learn there is love, because that is our true origin and this is who we are. Anytime we have acted against the law of love, spoken against the law of love, thought against the law of love, we have caused what we call karma, a soul burden. And we have undo this to become free again, to become our true self again, which is pure light being. That is a spiritual understanding. And therefore, I think when we understand that the planet Earth is here as a gift to us, even if it is extremely difficult, uh, one can look at our life very differently and take it as a gift. Because, as I said in my video, why we do have an overpopulation. I explained that at the moment, because the earth is going through a major shift, so major turmoil, and it, it may not be look prettier. There may be some tough times ahead for many people. And that is an, a tremendous opportunity for many burdened souls to come here to undo their burden very quickly in a very short time here on planet earth, which means going through the pain and suffering and doing it uh, which can also be eliminated through the simple act of forgiveness. When we forgive each other, the burden is gone. So therefore, we have got now billions and billions of souls trying to incarnate at this particular time of planet Earth, um, often not able to finding a baby body to incarnate into. But the souls planet on planet Earth right here, everybody, without exception, wanted to be here. Nobody is here against their will. We are, that would be against the law of life. The law of life always allows us free will. So we are here on our own free will. Our life may not look that way. It says, how can I ever have wished this kind of, of myself, this pain and suffering? But this pain and suffering is, is an outflowing of karma. It's a relief. 
if I have got an illness right now, it may be awful and painful, but it's going away. It's now, it means it's flowing through me. I'm free. Like somebody is taking, like I have a big burden of a million um, dollars or what as a burden somewhere. And some, and now suddenly I pay it off. And when I'm done with this illness, I'm free of the burden. I no longer have any debts. So there is something to be celebrated even in an illness. And as I said earlier, we have to look at the positive in every negative. And the positive part in an illness or in any blow of fate is the fact that now we are becoming free of it. It is an unloading of our karma. And we are becoming truly who truly are this wonderful, magnificent, divine light being created out of love for the purpose of love to share love. That is our true origin. And anybody who does that occasionally will feel how, how we feel much so much better when we do this, when we are truer to ourselves, when we help somebody without wanting anything in return, when we are truly there for others. And that gives us such a affirmation of this is what you are came for. And this is another little angle I like to mention. A lot of young people like yourself and others may find this life extremely difficult. And you see the horrors in the world, you see the wars and so on. But we all have known this. These are very often the helpers, the people who wants to come here in this very difficult time to help the rest of the population to go through this time. They are the the, the sort of like um, birthmates for the new earth to come, to let this, to let this world, whole new earth come into fruition. So People came here to help other people. So you may have had a calling to do something here in this world to help other people. And um, so you as a spiritual helper. And that is very difficult because you're coming from an environment which is loving, more loving, more peaceful into this very, very difficult war zone, which we call planet Earth. But you are here to bring the light, to anchor the light. And I could imagine that with your work, you're doing there with your TV channel. It could be one way of how you can touch thousands of people and at least momentarily to forget their pain and suffering and remind them of who they truly are that they are all divine beings within themselves, created out of love for the purpose of love. And when we do this, uh, we share, we be bringing more light into the, onto planet Earth and help this planet Earth to advance faster and better into the next dimension. And I suppose it's trying to look beyond kind of our human interpretation of good and, and bad and trying to look at it from a grand scheme of things kind of area a greater good kind of from a spiritual point of view but i can imagine that from the hum human morality point of view the question will still remain you know what i suppose if, if you were to look at something like the holocaust where the i believe it was six million jews were, were guests for no good reason other than their their beliefs people would say in that case then that would mean that they deserved that and that would obviously look very negative. And they'd say, well, why would anyone deserve that through this law of karma? You know, what would you say to that question? Deserving is a human word. It's an ego word, which implies punishment. There is no punishment in the universe. It's only a human concept to punish somebody or to deserve anything. There's only an undoing of karma. And that is beyond that kind of judgment. Now, just take generally any kind of sudden death 
inflicted. I'd like to take 9-11, maybe more neutral, because since I'm German and when I speak about the, um, the, the Holocaust, people easily get very emotional about it. But let's take the Holocaust or the 9-11. We, it is a privilege to be on this planet Earth, but it is a school. And when you are done with your school, when you have done college, you leave college and you move on for the next phase. Life on Earth is not permanent. We are not here to be forever here. So once our time of death comes, it means nothing other than, than graduation. And that graduation to another higher dimension is the thing we have to focus on. Now, that does not mean that anybody has the right to, to kill somebody. That is not the point. But death in itself is nothing but a graduation. It's, we are dipping into this planet Earth for a short period and we're coming out of it. And usually our time of death and day of death is already predetermined at the moment of birth. We already know on which day we will die and most likely how we'll die. There are certain changes we can still undo to undo that and change it a little bit. But basically everybody's date of graduation is already determined at birth. So when suddenly people die very suddenly, from our Earth perspective, it looks how horrible it is. And it is, of course, when somebody else has done it to them, a horrible thing. Um, but it is something that the souls who have departed just left college. This is very hard to believe from the people, family members who stay behind. I fully understand because we are attached to them. And we feel we can't understand it. But basically, they only have left this college, which they only stayed for less than 30,000 days. And your time will be soon there, and my time will be soon there. When we take death as a celebration, and not as something awful. Remember, the early Christians didn't do this whole black things, uh, funeral stuff. They, uh, they celebrated. They celebrated that the soul now returns to God. And that for, for them, funerals were something very different. There are still many uh, civilizations here on planet Earth who see death differently and celebrate in some way. Yes, there is pain of departure from the people who are left behind. But when we cry, and if you watch my video on mourning and grieving, we only cry for ourselves. We do not cry for, uh, for the other souls because we don't know what happens to them and where they are. We cry for ourselves. And that's quite uh, normal and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it, the mourning and grieving. It only becomes troublesome if it's done excessively and for an extremely long time. Then there are some problems. But the adjustment that suddenly I leave something which uh, I lost something which is very dear to me, like a person or like my left arm or something, is a normal human experience. But death in itself is not something negative. It is merely the end of our time here on planet Earth. And we can usually where we choose of how we die and very well. And sometimes like a 9-11 death, for instance, and again, I don't justify the action of done this uh, artificially by other people, is a very fast way to move on. Think about of how many people die with cancer for two or three, four years, suffering, suffering, suffering. And we think because that's natural, it's so much more better. What, how, so there's different ways for us to leave this planet Earth. But it's not up to us to judge what is right and wrong. The only thing is, of course, if it's done by another person willfully to kill somebody, that has enormous karmic consequences for the person who kills the person. 
But even there, there is no coincidence. It could very well be the other way around, that the person who got killed killed, well, killed someone else before. So because of reincarnation, you never know the whole story. That is also not for us to know. That is only between God and the person. Only the person who has the experience for that is important because we should not jump and assume what other people's karma is. We cannot do this. We hardly know our own karma. But we can speak on broad terms, and this is what I'm doing on broad terms, that death is a relief and the end of our school years. That's all. So is it generally things like karma? And I think karma is often a very misunderstood concept, especially in, in Western ideas. But would it would it be, for example, a result of karma that some, like those in 9-11, which if we're honest, as, hor as horrible as it is, I would rather die from an, a plane impact immediately or an atomic bomb dropped directly on my head than a long, drawn-out, painful um, illness. Would it be karmic influences that determine if somebody dies from an immediate shotgun blast to the, to the head versus someone who dies with a, a long drawn out period of pain through leukemia for example there are no coincidences in life everything is carefully orchestrated by ourselves for ourselves nothing in life happens to us everything happens for us so even if you have got long drawn out leukemia or anything like this this may be the best thing for the soul to purify itself from the pain and suffering it has caused other people, maybe in the past life. So wherever we are, it is always happening for us. And there is no exception to that rule. Now, it may not look that way. And it may be from our uh, uh, human experience of uh, judgment and, and punishment. It may be very odd to say that, oh, how can this murderer kill the other person and so on, etc. That's how terrible. It, it is terrible. The moment we put our own free will on another person, we have majorly karmic consequences. But the fact that the other person got murdered has a reason. There's a reason behind it. And that was the right thing for that soul. It's not the right thing for our society. It says, all right, he got murdered. Let's get the murderer off. I'm not saying that for one moment. Our society has its own rules and we have to live by those. But the soul lives by a different road, by the rules of karma. And the rules of karma are beyond our human kind of interpretations of situations. So I suppose a question would be then what, if from my understanding, the God, for want of a better term, is effectively everything. Everyone is part of it in a separate kind of identity all at once, but all connected to the same experience that's trying to learn and grow. Um, but has the possibility to kind of, I suppose, manifest anything from itself. So the question would be, why would karma be necessary? And I suppose to, to put an analogy to that, again, with a Christian belief that God has the ability to conjure up anything uh, and f forgive and forget, you know, perfectly, why then would he need to send his his himself down as Jesus Christ to atone for everybody's sins where he could just do that at the snap of a finger so why why would karma be necessary to evolve something that's already perfect i suppose it's a good question darren and i'm trying to answer it from my uh, from my understanding and again i don't have no intention to convince anybody 
it is my understanding, and I'm going by the deep teachings which we have received for the last 40 years, that we are all spirit being in the divine spiritual heaven, which is perfection. There is no pain, suffering, karma. It is a blissful state of being. That is the original creation. But there were some beings at the time who rebelled and left that pure heaven. We call that the Luciferian rebellion. In the Bible, it's called the fall. There were a certain number of souls who did not want to stay in this uh, field of bliss, and they wanted to create their own creation, and they fell out of love. They, they burdened themselves with negativity, unloving thoughts, words, and actions. And that is the foundation and creation of what we call our universe, our three-dimensional universe. We come from a seven-dimensional universe, it's our true nature, and we are now temporary in the three-dimensional universe. Here, we are in the universe of contrasts, of, of good and evil, of cause and effect, and time and space. These things are, do not exist in our true nature, in our true homeland, where we come from. So here, we are on a temporary uh, um, re reality, which God does not influence. He says he gave us the free will. You can do what you like. You can go and kill and murder. That's fine. But there are the consequences. And then you will learn. We learn through consequences. It, and the karma is not punishment. It's a gift for us to understand hurting another person, acting against of love, doesn't is not who you are. It comes back to you as an illness, as a blow of fate, a lot of loss of money, whatever it may be, whatever is suitable for us to learn. So God, the entity or the entity of the energy of God lets us learn in our own way, through our own actions and words and things, that certain things are not of who we truly are. So all the negativity that happens here in the three-dimensional reality here on planet Earth are just all actions against the law of love. And the only way how we can undo it is either through forgiveness, we forgive each other, that's why Christ said forgive 70 times, 70 times, then the karma is gone, or we um, uh, we experience the karma in one way or the other. And most people do not want to learn, and here most people want to uh, are ready to experience. We have either insight or pain. We learn through insight or pain. Insight means, okay, this is karma, I won't do that anymore. Pain is Okay, I have another piece of donut, another donut, I know that I get overweight, I diabet I'm diabetic, and so on, etc. Most people don't, they know better. They know not to smoke, not to eat carefully, etc. Then we know it all. The simple way of uh, having a halfway decent life, we all know of, but we're not doing it. Because, oh, I get away with it, I get away with this. But it has all consequences. Everything has consequences. And that's the love of God showing us you can learn on your own terms. You can come to me and I will help you to, to understand, as I said earlier to you, and every negative is a positive. Find ways to get out of the, all the drama uh, or uh, to Christ. Christ did not take our, our sins away. I mean, that's the teaching of the, of the churches. Christ came here to tell us, you are the responsible of it. And if you come to me, I can help you to give you extra energy to learn to forgive your, your neighbors who have hurt you and also to overcome your negativities, uh, actions, words, and things at the moment, to give you strength through these difficult times. But he did not take our burdens away. Otherwise, we would be all, we'd be relieved. We all live, we would live in paradise. We're not. People are having illnesses, karma everywhere around us. Obviously, Christ did not take anything away from anybody, but he can alleviate it and make it possible for us if we want his help. It's a very different story. I made a video on that one too. 
the idea of, of Christ coming through as a literal incarnation of God, I, and I'd be interested in your opinion, but I, I see Christ more as a human being, same as anybody else who just, like yourself, had a life where he he learned these things and learned that when when Christ says, you know, come come to me, come to God, what he means is come to yourself, your higher self, as I have already done. Uh, whereas it's often interpreted as, as Christ literally being on a hierarchy higher than us, being God himself. Whereas I interpret it as Christ being as Buddha, as Muhammad, a teacher who has learned these things and are trying to teach us that we can reach that level ourselves as well. Um, rather than kind of God as an authoritarian figure who to go to to solve to solve everybody's problems. What are your thoughts on that interpretation? Well, if that serves you, that's fine. My understanding is slightly different. I, I, everything in life is nothing but energy and vibrations. Everything. This is, this is Tesla, Einstein said it very clearly, and so is uh, you and I. Uh, there is nothing solid about us. We are basically vibrations and energies. So um, the highest vibration is love. So we slowly, unfortunately, have slowed down our vibration to our negative thinking and acting, and we came right down to what we call the material universe. So we see the range from love right down to the manifest, the thing which looks solid, but even the atom is not solid. It is all nothing else than vibration. So we are speaking about a vibrational universe. And in this vibrational universe, I believe that the entity whom we call Christ or Jesus was of a very high vibration and brought this very high vibration down to us average person, so to speak. And therefore, uh, I believe that he has a different kind of standing than you and I have, because his teachings was amazing. Plus, also, it's a long story, which I don't I think I, I don't want to go into details, but people are welcome to to read it in, my, in the books, which I mentioned that he uh, gave some part of his inheritance to us. We call it the uh, the Christ spark, which is in the fourth uh, chakra here in, in the heart chakra, where we can transform the negativities in our life. And if you wish to know more about it, I suggest to watch my video on the Christ spark. So I believe that uh, Christ or Jesus was much more than just a human being like you and me, because he came with a totally different mission and he came from a higher vibration. Our vibration is not that high. And uh, so that's basically the answer to your question. But if it works for you, then that is fine too. That That's uh, what may be just the right way of belief for you. Mm. For me, it's, it, it's more than that. And I would think for me, he is what I call a redeemer because with this special energy, which every human being has in themselves, it is much easier to transform our negativity, our karma, our illnesses. Once we know about this Christ spark in us, which is nothing but a transformer, the negativity in our life, whatever our illnesses, our situations, our love life, whatever, we bring this into the light and let it burn the negativity away. It clears our life. It is only through experience and wanting to try it out to know about it. When I share this verbally with you or with anybody else, it may make not much sense. But it's worth trying it out to see by going within. Because again, God, as God says, oh, the kingdom is not out there somewhere. It is in us. 
And that's the key element. It's not somewhere else we have to go. All we have to go is within us. And within us is all the solution to this, uh, to the questions we have in life. We have to, with any question we have, the answer is always in us because the whole universe is in, uh, in us. So what do you think is the ultimate goal of us as individual souls or, or spirits? Um, because many people believe, as I do, that it's an evolutionary process so that we can attain understanding and greater knowledge and greater love to attain kind of the level of Christ and, and others um, on, on the same caliber. But then I hesitate and I think ultimately, however, you know, we are all part of one entity, one soul, one God that already has that knowledge and is already perfect. So what is the purpose of us being individual to return to something from whence we already came, if that makes sense? No, it makes total sense. As I said, I do not believe that we slowly have to grow from, from an ape to etc. to a more higher evolved spiritual being. Because we are already a highly evolved spiritual being. As I said earlier, we come from the pure heaven, this seven-dimensional reality. We have fallen into the three-dimensional reality. We were already perfect children of God uh, at one time, but we have left that kind of high vibration and come down right down to the three-dimensionality. What we have to do is to rediscover who we are, not to become somebody else, to rediscover who we are, which is love. That is, everything is very simple. The only way forward is with love. Whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we think, when we put love into it, it's a very simple way. When we put the ego in it, it becomes complicated. So nothing needs to be learned. Everything has to be re rediscovered. We basically rediscover who we truly are. It's much easier understanding that the perfect being I once was, I, I was, was once, not that I have to achieve something which I've never been before. I was the perfect being. I just have lost myself. We are the fallen angels, so to speak, who just have to regain our true heritage again. And I've got a, a, my new video is 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 uh, who are you really? Um, it covers that in in great detail and explains it also of how we came from a much higher region and why we are here and. Here on earth, we so easily identify with, with our race, with our color, with our religion, with our sexuality, whatever it is. But these are all little costumes only for a very short time we are wearing. In truth, we are returning back to the absolute reality, to the spirit world. So this is only a temporary visit here. And everything is, in, everything is a gift. And again, nothing happens to us. Everything happens here for us, for our growth, for us to reawaken to our true nature who we are so do you see god and us as souls as separate it appears separate but no it can't be separate but i'm not saying that i am god this is a new age teaching says look i'm god i'm god because everywhere's god so i'm not god no i'm not god because i did not create myself and i'm not only omnipresent either i'm just here but there, yes, of course, there is a totally, we are totally linked because, as I said earlier, the universe is in us. God is in me. Therefore, I am in God and God is in me. So there is no, no differentiation. It, we only think we are separate. We think we are separated from divinity. We are think from separate from each other. But in truth, we are all in a unity. 
but our ego wants to make very sure that I think about my life and take care of my life and family and you take care of your family and your life. So that leads to, to separation. And all the pain we are basically having comes from the belief in separation. That's where loneliness comes from. The major cause, I think, for so much pain in the world is that people believe that they're lonely, that they're separate. But that's the ego's doing. My main focus on my research and my channel and everything is the question of death, what it is, what it means, and what that implies about reality, material, non-material, etc. So I suppose the main question would be, what can we expect, you know, the moment our heart stops, I suppose, experientially from there, if anything at all? Because even though I've spoken to many people, including on my side of thinking, the scientists and the, and the researchers, as well as on more, I suppose, your side of the experiences and the subjective understandings. Um, I still find myself in doubt that there's anything more than lights out and the experience of eternal unconsciousness, which is unfathomable to anyone's mind. But what, what would you say is one to expect experientially at their time of death? Well, I gave the analogy of a college before. That's at one time we all have to leave the college. That's why we only live here for so few uh, days only on this. When we're done with it, we move on to the next phase. And when you go to college and you see all your college mates, they all go to different homes. Some are very wealthy, some are healthy, some are very confused, some are difficult homes. Life continues individually according to that, to that uh, student and death also is not just one way fits all. It, it depends very much on the soul itself, on the vibration of the soul. I said earlier, we are in a vibrational universe. Everything is vibration and like attracts like. So if I have been a negative person here on earth and uh, killed people and so on, that is a certain vibration which I have sent out all the time. And that vibration will pull me into the similar kind of spiritual realm of similar like souls. So I may be together with other murderers together in that soul because like attracts like in the spiritual world. And so therefore life after death is very individual according to the vibration of the person of how we felt, sensed, spoke and acted during this lifetimes and before and after. So everybody has a very unique experience of life after death. But there are certain rules, of course. You wake up, you find out that you still have a body. It's not a material body. You have something what we call a spiritual body. Uh, if you are willing to accept the fact that you are dead, and this is not a given, a lot of souls die and they can't even believe that. I made a video um, on soul possession on possessive souls, which explains that a lot of souls who are possessing other human beings are not aware that they are dead. And uh, so there are a lot of souls, as my father mentioned as well, that souls, they can't accept that they are dead. They believe, look, I live still, I can still think, I can still see everything around me. And they can be earthbound, which means they do not move onto the spiritual world. They can be stuck to the earth because there's energy see on the planet earth, which pull them. It can be the attachment to their family, to their wealth, to their fame, or to their vices very often. That's a the vice you cannot fulfill really more in the spiritual world. You can't drink it together. And you can't smoke there anymore. But once you come to planet Earth, you can attach yourself to other souls, to other human beings, and can enjoy your pleasures through them. That's what possessive souls comes from. So to answer your question, I would say that it's a multitude of possibility which happens after death. 
it largely depends on how we lived our life. Was it a loving, a giving one? Did we understand that once life is over, that there is help all the time available for us? Then we will be open to see the guardian spirits who are there, maybe old family members who have died to welcome us. But if we refuse to believe life after death, we will see these as spooks and we run away from them. So we react differently according to our understanding of death. But there is a life after death and it will continue. We are eternal beings. We cannot die. It's absolutely impossible. But we can be totally blind to the experience of death. And we can also become earthbound, which means that our soul rather stays here on planet Earth until one day we wake up. It takes a long, long time. On the, the growth on the other side on the spiritual world is much, much slower than here on planet Earth. That's why planet Earth is a school, because it has a wonderful advantage as a unique planet, it attracts souls from all different spheres of vibration. You can have a murderer living next to a saint here, which is virtually impossible in the spiritual realm because everything goes there, attracts like. So here we have got living next door to a person who is very different than yourself. And through that experience, we can see and understand the world differently and we can broaden ourselves. We can undo our karma with these souls, which we never meet in the spiritual world again. So there's a lot of possibility. That's why planet Earth is so unique, because it allows souls from all different spiritual spheres to incarnate here. But what happens after these souls leave the planet Earth depends very much what they do here, planet Earth, and whether they are higher vibrating to come to a higher vibrational realm or to a lower vibration. It's all in our hand. From moment mm. to moment, we decide our future in this human life or also afterwards. I suppose something to follow up with is... Many who are of this same belief system, not really belief system, but of this same knowledge, regardless, seem to have completely different ideas on the nature of experience after death. Those, even within the same phenomena such as near-death experiences, where someone is very close to death, you know what it is, of course, but for those that don't, those that are physically very close to death sometimes find themselves coming out of their body and they're having these experiences. Um some even within that category have different experiences. Some will retain their sense of individuality and their identity, their beliefs, their attitudes, their desires, etc. Whereas others will apparently experience dissolving into a sense of being everything with no identity, no desires, no wills. Others who don't perhaps have near-death experiences but come out of their body with an experience called astral projection will come out of their body and visit these, what they describe as the afterlife realms, and find that they can effectively be the the artist of their own afterlife. They can create dragons out of thin air. They can create these wildernesses, and they still retain that form of, of identification, but they find that their mind can structure the environments around them. So people seem to have very different experiences of the afterlife in the sense that some at the core level some retain their individual identity some dissolve into everything or nothing being the same thing so why do you think there are such differences in experiences well as i said earlier everybody dies in a unique way there are people who die in a very high evolved way and other people actually also in the near-death experience you know there are some souls who have got horrific experiences not every near-death experience is blissful and meeting God or Christ there. No, there are some, it's a minority, but there are some very horrible experiences. Yeah, every experience is depending on your vibration. And 
a person who is totally dissolved, think he dissolves himself in the spiritual realm. Uh, I'm a bit hesitant to, uh, I'm not disbelieving it, but I'm saying as well, then how do you know you come back again as something that doesn't quite make sense to me. But the total dissolving in the uh, things, I do not believe that is, that may be a tent, a te in, that sounds to me like a temporary bliss moment, which we have when you suddenly feel totally surrounded by love, which happens to a lot of souls. They're, they're totally surrounded by love, and you 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 want to dissolve in this love. Basically, the, the, this is what I want to be, forgetting that actually you are an eternal being in spite of it. So I can see that as a more as a desire to dissolve themselves than dissolve themselves. I do not believe that we are ever dissolving ourselves again in the on the stream of life, back to God, whatever the Eastern philosophies are. This is not what I understand. Um, so there is a one little exception. But otherwise, I agree with you totally. Yeah, you can land up in the astral spheres, which are very awful, dangerous sometimes. After death, you can also experience a very powerful period where you can create everything you want. It all depends on who you are. There is not one fit or one answer to the spiritual world. When I spoke to my father when he died, I just gave him the basic thing that basically you survive on the other side. And if you're lucky, you see your relatives. And if you're open, see your guardian spirit who may guide you to the other side. And just accept by being guided. Surrender to the spiritual being to lead you to where. Because they know where we have to go. And they will lead to it. So mm. these are the basic things we learn, but the actual experience depends very much. Every moment in our life, we decide of how we want to live and also how we want to die. The future is made by our presence of how we are today. That is our future. So if we are loving today, don't worry, you will be fine when you die. But if you are a cruel, nasty, self-centered kind of person, you may have a little time to need extra time to readjust to whatever experience you're there. And all of this is self-created. And God allows it, it says, this is the way you want to learn. You want to learn to paint or through insight. I gave you insight. I gave you the Ten Commandments. I gave you the Sermon on the Mount. Very clear. I give you even, for, if you don't Christian, I give you the golden rule. And the golden rule is known in every society in the world in different words. Live, uh, uh, do unto others as you want to do them to them, or do not do unto others what you don't then do. That simple golden rule would basically create heaven, <clears throat> a paradise here on earth, if we would live by that simple one rule. But we are not. We are living by our ego rule. And that's why we have got a lot of problems. And we learn through pain, either through pain or through insight. So going, uh, learning some spiritual path and spiritual techniques and spiritual understanding can help us to negotiate through our life a little bit easier. And uh, instead of then just totally living by by cause and effect. <laughs> I suppose, similar to you, I'm, I'm a writer. Uh, well, I've, I'm an aspiring writer. I'm very good at kind of imagining and creating and telling stories. And I've always said, you know, once I die, I'm just going to have a good time. I'm going to have a nice recreational time and create my own little playgrounds that I can just have fun with, try different things out and just have, have fun before I have to move on to whatever. Um, and I think the chances of that happening are high just based on my, how I've spoken with other people who have said, yeah, your mind is, is the canvas in those realms. And um, in a way I'm looking forward to that, but in another way, I'm hoping it doesn't happen quite so soon, quite too soon, you know, <laughs> Going, I suppose, back to 
more my way of thinking from the scientific mind. How do you think the brain is active in in the way the spirit works? Because generally the main understanding of consciousness and of the spirit, or maybe not of consciousness, but certainly of soul and spirit is that it doesn't exist. It's It's a side effect of neural processes and chemical electrical process in in the brain and that's not in question in many scientific circles so how do you think or i suppose what what are your thoughts to the way the brain creates or interacts with with consciousness slash the soul well the quote of uh, Deepak Chopra comes to mind uh, it's basically everything is consciousness I said vibration it's another word for that is con- we do not have consciousness we are consciousness God is consciousness so consciousness is everything and the brain basically is for us to interpret our existence here in on the planet earth it does not have its own consciousness because it is linked to our sub subconscious and our in the, awareness uh, what's the word yeah the consciousness and subconscious we have to deal with this but the brain sorts it out for us it doesn't create everything well it it does create let me say i don't want to fumble here yes how this is an interesting question the brain for me is an instrument to interpret the world and to influence the world basically that's a brain it's it's, a, it's an organ to interpret interpret the world and 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 also react to the world find ways to to deal with the world but the consciousness is much deeper. This is in our soul, our awareness, our conscious and consciousness, and we have the subconsciousness. And they work on very different levels. But our, in our brain, we have a way to make it understandable to us. I think the brain is merely a tool, nothing else, interpretation tool. But it's not uh, who we are. It's just a tool for, to understand. Like our eyes help us to see, the brain helps us to understand things. So that's how I feel, find uh, the, the brain is working for yeah, us. Yeah, I, I think in the but same way. Than, we are bigger than the brain. That's what I mean. Yeah. Are, our, I, yeah, I usually use the analogy of the brain as, as a radio um, circuit board. You know, the radio receives pure consciousness and interprets it into sound from a, as from the side of a radio. Into it, it interprets a signal that we can't understand and projects it into a means that we can understand. And I, I see the brain in a, in a similar way to that. I would agree um, with that. What, why do you think that the idea that consciousness or the soul is, is a byproduct of a working brain, why do you think that that is so stringently accepted without question and therefore everything spiritual discounted in modern life? As a byproduct of the brain? Yeah, so the, the 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 main belief is effectively that the brain is creating awareness, and again, once the brain's dead, we are we no longer exist, and that's that through the electrical chemical processes of of neurons interacting with each other, etc. That that is what creates consciousness. That's the outstanding view in in neuroscience and general science as a whole. Well, you have seen the video of. Uh, even uh, Alexander. Eben Alexander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know that the brain, there's more to it than only uh, our brain being our consciousness. The consciousness existed in his case when he was dead for, declared dead for for seven days, existed in spite of the brain. 
So I think that doesn't quite make sense to me. No, the, the con our consciousness and brain are so totally different things. Our awareness is different. As you said, it's only a, a, a radio circuit to understand our brain. But but the soul is who we are. It's our, our true identity. Uh, not our true identity, it's our temporary identity, because our soul is a burdened being, which means we carry all the negativity in us as a soul. We have to return to become a pure spirit being again. That's the whole idea, to let go of all the karma. So from a soul, we want to become again who, what we were, a pure spirit being unburdened by nature. But our brain is only here to understand it so that I can communicate with you right now. It helps me and vice versa. But our soul is beyond it. Our soul is, is uh, inhabiting our body right now in a very small mind. It's, it's at the pituitary gland. It's positioned at the pituitary gland. And um, and hopefully one day it, it takes over our whole body when we have our soul growth through our lifetime. But I don't know whether I don't know whether I answered your question because I'm not totally sure. I, I suppose, yeah, I, I suppose the, the foundation of the question is... Um... Even though we have experiences like Dr. Alexander's and Pam Reynolds, who's another example, as well as all these other phenomena mediumship that certainly seem to confirm beyond reasonable doubt that we do continue after death, why is it still not accepted as anything more than byproducts of a, of a brain? <laughs> I don't know why it's not accepted. I guess too many people make money the other way. You know, once the more, the more everything can be, it's so simple. Look, all the illnesses, all the pain and suffering can be stopped if we learn to love. That's all. There's no medicine to be sold. There is nothing special. You cannot make money by the most simple and the most healthiest and the most positive rule of life. But anything else, you can make a lot of money. It's like all death. And the medical industry is full of money-making entities. Not everybody is greedy and they have got good intentions, but it is money-making things. So once we would understand who we truly are, a lot of medicine would not be necessary. And I think that's part of it. And, and people are intellectually very proud of the intellect. The intellect is something which an ego just really, yeah, look how bright I am, how brilliant I am. And the ego is not interested in, in, in life before death because the ego is afraid of death. What is afraid of death in us? The fear of death comes only from our ego. Our ego needs this physical body to survive. And therefore, it is afraid if the physical body dies. And therefore, it just does everything to fight and be make us worried about it, etc., etc. It's the ego. Our higher self, as I said earlier, oh, it's all right. It's over at that time. Let's move on. But the ego, no, no, no. I need the physical body. I need to give pain. I need to get suffering so that I am getting my attention. Because the ego used to, to pain, suffering, fear, the most the most uh, to manipulate our, uh, us and to be uh, upset and to be negative in the form. Because negativity is the life force of the ego, and the fear of death, of course, is is very strong, and 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 that, that makes it as well very strong. So we don't really want to have a clear answer about death. The ego doesn't want to know about death, uh, and so yeah, I'm just. Look, it takes always a long time before certain things become clear. I mean, even today, you, you, I don't know, you don't believe in reincarnation, but even after hundreds of years, the church is having uh, denied reincarnation. Now more and more people are waking up to it. I don't see it in my life going to change in the churches, no, but it will take a long time. It's, it's, uh, there are the energy. There's a negative energy 
and the positive energy. The positive energy is pro-life, the other one is pro-earth, pro-death, through pain, through suffering. So there's a struggle between dark and light always here. And the when you come up with some principles like spirituality, like even Alexander does, says, look, life continues. I know I'm a neuroscientist. I have experienced it myself, etc. And here are the written proofs. That's not enough for other people. No, no, it might be, be, we need more because you are throwing, it's the ego. For instance, take one example. If I have taught in the university the material view of life, that there's nothing happens after death and so on, and I've done it for 10 years, and suddenly I see a video of even Alexander, and suddenly it's, oh my God, I have been wrong all the time. My ego wouldn't allow it to now go to my students and say, hey guys, I taught you all the wrong stuff. My ego will do anything to cling on. No, 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 this is not true. This is not true. Even Alexander is, is a fake. It's not true. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. For us to admit that we have been 100% wrong is something our ego doesn't want to easily let to us to do. So every time we suddenly have an insight in something bigger, our ego holds us often back to that, to keep stay on the old track. And therefore, it's so difficult to convince anybody because they suddenly said, what does the world think of me if I suddenly do something? This is the other reason why people don't like to forgiveness. If you have got a person, you are very angry about your family and so on, and you know forgiveness would seal it, but all the time you have told your friends and relatives, he's a terrible person, terrible person, he abused me, etc., etc., and suddenly you do forgiveness, and suddenly you see that everything had made sense and you truly forgave him. What would my friends think of me, whom I've told all the time that he was such a bad person? That's why people don't want to do forgiveness, because the ego doesn't allow it. And the same thing in many other fields, like, for instance, accepting new understanding, particularly when it comes to more uh, spiritual aspects. What are your thoughts on how this works together with other beings on the planet the animals maybe the plants as well um, because certainly you know, i lost my two dogs in 2021 and that hurt a lot and i often worry or not worry so much but wonder if our natural um, process of death is the same for them as animals who are obviously less involved to have an ego and ideas and dreams and worries how do you think spirit works with with animals both pet animals and wild animals as, and plants if that does come into effect as well well i made a video and you may want to see it. it's quite interesting it's because it covers a lot of that it's called all about animals and it shows how we slowly from this god's box slowly grow to the mineral plant kingdom to the plant and uh, mineral kingdom plant kingdom animal kingdom, nature spirit kingdom, to this pure spirit being. We all went through this in a Darwinian way, but not here on planet Earth, but in the spiritual realm. And an animal is just only a brother and sister of ourselves, less, still less evolved than we are. It's just one of the earlier stages where we all have been as well. And basically, we call them our brothers and sisters, our small little brothers and little sisters. That's why highly evolved uh, beings would never eat animal food. They would be vegan or vegetarian because you wouldn't want to have harm to your brothers and sisters. They, of course, do not do have a much healthier and a clearer understanding of divinity, and they are continuously in connection, in contact with divinity in their life. 
and when they die, they die very easily, usually in the nature. Now, things change very much with pets because pets over time have always adopted the vibration thinking patterns and behavior patterns of humans because they're living close to us and they copy us. And the fear and suffering of humans, they pick up as well. They immediately absorb it. The cat knows exactly where you're happy or not happy, dog knows it and so on. So they, they unfortunately absorb a lot of human programs and that also causes them to have human illnesses like cancer, which is basically unknown in the nature, uh, nature environment, in the natural environment, unless it has been disturbed by human beings. Um, so they have adopted this to us, but as such, they are highly evolved beings, not quite as, 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 as human beings are, but they are having a constant relationship to divinity. We call it an instinct, information. They know who they are. And when the death is comes, they immediately leave their body and move on and go back to the spiritual world. And pets will usually await our return when we come back, when we meet, <laughs> we meet them again as uh, souls, because, uh, uh, these, these loved ones will, will persist. So you will most likely see your dogs again when you move over over the other side. My mum especially will be glad to hear that because they were her soulmates. Yeah. And that, that that's a whole other question is the question of soulmates. We probably don't have time to go through it here, but maybe we could have another call at some point to go oh, deeper into soulmates. Oh, you can watch my video. Those of you, I have a special video on soulmates. We won't go into it now, but anybody interested, watch the video on soulmates on lifeexplained.com. Okay, sorry. Continue. And I think I think I, I think that's fine. I think a, a good question to end off of because I know you're probably running out of time would be for those of us again like myself who are more into the intellectual side of things and those who are maybe just starting off on this path. What kind of spiritual exercises would you recommend to to begin attaining the level that that you've reached in in throughout your life where, where's a good place to start because most people mention meditation but don't know what that is and because there seems to be some almost perverse version of meditation that's uh, encroached on western society um so what, what kind of practices would you recommend i would agree with meditation actually i'm uh, i have got uh, on my website on my book recommendation which are not coming from me these are just book recommendations of other people there are various sources of it. Yeah, meditation, I think, is is a very powerful tool because it does allow us to calm down. And when we are calmed down, we also absorb deeper truth much more than if our monkey mind keeps us busy. So to calm the monkey mind down, I think it's a wonderful tool. It is, as I said earlier, also for me, is a discovery, a, a, an enormous discovery that, wow, I don't have to think every thought. That was totally new to me when I was 17, that I don't have to think every thought. I can actually stop it. And wow, that life continues. So meditation is a way for us to calm our monkey mind down and then be open to, to let life approach itself as it sees fit. We can do it through books, through videos, through many, many different forms. But I think the first step is to calm down and and also, well, I would personally always go within, in, 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 in a prayer or a dialogue, and knowing that divinity, whatever you may call it, Christ, we call it whatever feels comfortable, is in us, not far away up there. It's in us. And to see that power, that we have a power in ourselves which can move planets, and to con come into contact with that power, to pray to that power, to speak to that power, sometimes even loud when you're alone, to, to 
just feel in, in a, like using a Christ, your guardian spirit, whoever you may feel comfortable, speak out loud the pain that you're going through. Sometimes by speaking out loud, we are getting the answer. The reason is our mind, our thinking goes very fast, and we don't listen. When we speak, we're slowing down. Another form to even slow down further is to write down what suffers you. I think keeping journals is a wonderful way as well. Write down, right now I feel miserable, write down, I'm fearful of this, etc. What is the matter, etc. I'm write down as long as you want, no, no limitation. What let it flow out of your mind. And by the end of the page of the time, you suddenly may reach an answer. You have never thought about it. The reason is because you have slowed down your monkey mind. And it's a very, it's like meditation can do this, speaking out can do that loud in the prayer or writing it down can be a very helpful tool. And now we haven't even spoken to any particularly spiritual path, which you may want to uh, look into as well. But I think these are the three, the three things which I think help us to make us realize the immense power we have by just slowing our thinking down and how much better we feel when we slow down our thinking and when we don't get kept caught up in our continuous, because all the thoughts are repeated thought, repeated thought, repeated. We're always thinking the same thoughts. There's nothing new. There's no need to rethink it again and again and again and again. Stop it. Meditation helps. And also slowly writing it down. What are my continuous repeated thoughts that I have over and over, which don't make me happy? Write them down and then write down everything else which comes down, which comes down. This form of journaling, I think, I find personally very, very powerful. You mentioned spiritual paths. I'm sure most people would consider the spiritual path to just be one, one route forward, I suppose, into spiritual attainment, I suppose. But what's, what are the different paths or examples of different paths in spirituality? Well, there are so many teachers around, so many different paths. I mean, endless. You, you go on YouTube, you find that every second person has got something to sell to you. And there, there is, is so much. Um, I think you have to go what attracts you. There are so many things. Uh, as I said, I, I suggest always on my book recommendation page, there are several. It's not only one path. There are several other books where people could be uh, interested. And I think when you look at the page and you see the book covers, Ask your heart which one may be right for me right now. Don't use the head, use your heart. And you may find one book cover, one title. Well, this could be interesting. That is the guidance from within. Um, there are too many paths at the moment offered, but many, many paths may ask you to join them, to become a member, to take workshops, to spend a lot of money. Stay away from any of those. The real spiritual path is always free. There's none of this. There are not even teachers. There are all no gurus. For, stay away from the gurus. There are paths, the, the, the real true path doesn't have any of this. Uh, there are coming through people like Gabriele, for instance, whose book I have mentioned there, which have uh, asked you not to join anything. Just take the material. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, great. Then try out something else. But I would not buy, I would be, be careful binding myself to a certain teacher or teachings as such, uh, or any group or identification where you wear, wear T-shirts or whatever, uh, run around in this kind of things, that is all binding. That's what the churches have done for thousands of years. 
So let's not fall from the churches into a spiritual or religious spiritual group or call themselves a spiritual group. Be aware of that because there are a lot of wolf in, in sheepskins.